Thanks for checking out the Elevate Student Ministry Podcast. To find out more about us, visit our website at iloveelevate.com. You can also stay up to date with what's going on by finding us on social media platforms like Instagram, Facebook, and Snapchat. Please consider subscribing to the podcast and sharing it with your friends. We hope you enjoy this message and it brings you closer to Jesus. All right, well, first of all, I'm going to give you a little history lesson. How many of you like history? Got a few of you that like history. How many of you don't like history? That's okay. Um, I'm not really a big fan of like history in the textbooks, but I am a big fan. That's just me. Everybody likes their own thing. I am a big fan of like family history and things that we've where we've come from. And I don't I don't think many of you know where the lighthouse came from, like how it all started. And so I kind of want to paint a picture for you that's bigger than Living Word Church. It's bigger than Miko and Pat Carlos. It's, it's, it's a vision that we have. And I want, I want to tell you what for the foundation was. So a long, long time ago, many years before any of you were born, um, back in 1995, they asked uh, me and Miss Pat to be the youth pastors of the church. Um, and so at that time, we didn't have the lighthouse. So basically, we met at my house on Saturday nights, and we taught Bible study. And every other week, we would we do Bible study on one Saturday night, and we would do fun events on the other Saturday night because we didn't have a place like this. There was nothing like we could go to church, but I was kind of boring, you know, just going to church and sitting down and listening to Bible study and then doing nothing. So we had it at our house, and that's how it. Uh, that's how we started the group. Obviously, there was a group before us. Uh, there was a few youth pastors before us. Um, but this was back in 95. And then um, so we ran it out of our house. And then um, the church decided to buy the church that what we out, were outgrowing the property that we were at. So we had about 650 people that were uh, that could fit in the church where we were at. We squeezed in as many chairs as we could, but we had, uh, it was way too packed. So we went to two services and then we went to three services and the, um, now all those people could fit in one big church. Thank goodness. We don't have to do three services yet, but I'm not, God's not finished. <laughs> That's what I love about God. He's not finished. Um, but so we, we, uh, we decided, uh, pastor decided we, we need a bigger church. Because he was exhausted doing, we did a Saturday night and then we did two Sunday mornings, and he was exhausted, and the worship teams were exhausted, and um, and so we were looking for some property. So he told us, uh, if anybody sees anybody trying to, to we need some property, and so uh, somebody that lived in Thibodeau was driving back to Thibodeau, and somebody was putting up a sign with a hammer on the property where the church property is right now, and um, so they called Pastor Renee. Pastor Renee called them, and. Um, and they said the property, no, it's 90 acres. Some of the acreage goes into the swamp, but it's 90 acres. And if you, this might sound like a lot of money to you, but now it's not a lot of money. $300,000 for 90 acres. That is multi-million dollar property now, okay? So so, nine, so they, 90 acres, $300,000. And Pastor Renee, when, he, when they asked him to be the pastor years ago, he gave them, I think it was three criteria if he was the pastor. But one of the criteria was that we never borrowed money. So every building that you see has been paid for and saved up for so that you don't have a bill to ever pay. Because most people 
most people will put the church in debt and then it goes to their children and their children have to try to continue to pay those bills and to continue those things. But he felt like God had led him to never borrow money. And so he said he would accept it on three things. And one of the things was we never borrow money, which I'm just going to add some side notes in here while I'm here, which is the reason that you can, that we can hire a full time youth pastor and we can hire a full time children's pastor. But guess what? If I had a, if I had kids and I do, but they're older now and uh, uh, Madeline's here. But um, but if I had kids and I was looking for a church back in the day and they didn't have good youth ministry and they didn't have good children's ministry, I would not really want to go to that church because I want some place that can help me feed my kids spiritually. And so that was his one of his things. And so he decided we weren't borrowing money. So guess how much we had in the bank when that property was for sale? Just guess. How about $300,000? That's exactly what we had in the bank. And it was exactly the cost that, they, um, that we were able to get it for. He, there were multiple people that were involved because it was a family owned property and people after us offered them more money. Just to give you an idea, they offered them more money to build um, either a casino and somebody else offered them to do um, uh, a neighborhood back there. And the family, and it was multiple people, it was like five or six people, all decided they wanted to sell it to the church. And we had, so they did a, they didn't sign an agreement, which is normal, the thing that you do these days because you can't trust people's word. They shook hands. And then somebody donated this land. Faith and Bryce Pierce's grandpa donated this land. And Pastor Renee wanted to build a youth center. Now, if you don't really know a lot about money, when you're trying to build a $7 million building, and then somebody gives you some land to build a smaller building for other things. That's usually not the top priority of people's lives because they're thinking, most people would think, well, we need to not build this right now because we've got a $7 million building to build. But I want you to know that our church values young people because all that was put aside, it was put aside for other people's children before you it was put aside for you, and it was put aside for people after you. Our pastor values young people. I value young people. Miss Pat values young people. All of these adults that are here value young people because we know that we have to pass this to you because you have to pass it on because we are only here for a limited amount of time. And God has given us a vision and he's given us a calling. But I want you to know that that's how all that happened. So instead of saving, now this building was not that expensive back then. I think we paid $100,000 for the building to be put up. We paid somebody to put up the building. We paid some the same people to insulate it. But then I want you to know that every wall that you see in the kitchen, in the bathrooms, this wall, that wall, all those interior walls were built by about six adults and about 20 teenagers. So we would come on Saturdays 
Now, let me tell you, all the every guy that the, every man that was helping us all had real jobs. They they were working, including me. And we came and we put up these walls. And it took many Saturdays because, you know, it, it takes a long time to do all this stuff when you only have a certain amount of time and we would just do it on Saturdays. Um, and it was just amazing. I'm going to tell you who those people that I can remember were. It was me and Mr. Vern and Bert Terrio and Leslie Lander, who used to work for the church, and Mr. David Bro, And there were probably a few others like Mr. Rodney Lucabill and Mr. Leverance Bourgeois. They usually helped us with everything. So I'll bet you that they were, I can't, I can't remember specifically, but they helped us with everything um, since then. And 20 teenagers, about 20 teenagers, two teenage boys came and helped us. And two of those teenage boys, you, you know, Josh Bourgeois and Jesse Duplantis. So those people were the people that came and spent and sweat and to try to get this up for you guys. And then, so we, we knew that we were going to start, a, um, a, we we're going to try to start a service. Now, let me tell you about the service. So at Living Word, on a Wednesday night, back at this time, so this was probably 1998, 1999, it was 1999 because we actually moved in in 2000. So there were probably only about 20 to 25 people that would go to Wednesday night at big church at the old property where Homo Christian is. And if there was a teenager, there was one. So like in my mind, my faith that a lot of teenagers would show up, you know how small a mustard seed is? It's very, very small. It's the smallest seed of all. And the Bible says that if you have faith of a mustard seed, you can move a mountain. I didn't have the faith of a mustard seed. It was much smaller because I could not move a mountain and I could not even visualize how if we only had one teenager that came to, the, to, came to a service on a Wednesday night at church, how in the world are we going to have a building that we could put teenagers in and teach them and disciple them and tell them about Jesus. It just didn't even make sense to me, but I felt like we were supposed to do it. And Mr. Fern says, well, let's start, let's start, we'll start it in the gym while we're building it. And so it'll be a Wednesday night service in the gym at Homa Christian School. And so you know what that means? That means if we're gonna have a band, we gotta set everything up and we got to tear everything down and that means we got to set up chairs and tear down chairs but you know that's not gonna be hard because I'm thinking like one kid might come <laughs> so <laughs> so we decide that's what we're gonna do and I will tell you how many people you think came the first time just how many people 50 50 teenagers came. <laughs> I'm going to tell you, it blew my mind. Um, before this point, they had a, a youth pastor that was at First Assembly in Thibodeau, and he was doing a youth service on Wednesday night, and I had like three boys that would go to that. And so they didn't come to the one at Arch, but they would go to because we didn't have a youth service. It was a, This was a youth service. And when he left, it was right around the same time, and they were devastated because they felt like somebody was preaching to them. And we, at that time, we were teaching. Um, when the first year I did camp, when we came back, they loved it when we preached because they felt like we were talking to them and not to a bunch of old people. You know, so, so I asked Pastor Renee, hey, can I, can I maybe start like a, the first Sunday of the month, we can go in the gym and I can, I can preach to them in the gym. And he told me yes. And so that's what we were doing. Uh, and then Saturday nights at my house. 
And so, um, but that, so when that guy left, like he left and they were distraught, they were, they were like so bummed out. And then that's when we really decided, well, let's just start it. And what we were actually, he, Vern thought, well, at least these three boys will come, you know, <laughs> 50 teenagers came on the first night and, uh, and it just really blew my mind. And that was, Jesse was my first drummer. Jesse Duplantis, uh, was my very first drummer for youth ministry, um, had uh, just a very small worship team, but it was uh, God was just moving. Um, so that's what we did. Twenty-something uh, people show. I mean, uh, only twenty people showed up to regular church, and fifty people came to to, <laughs> to youth. <laughs> um, let's see. So we finally moved in here, and uh, actually the stage was over there. The stage used to be over there. And so it was really deep. It was not like it is now. I like it better now. I like the way it's set up better. It's like more intimate and you get to see everybody and like it's not like you can't see. You can see the last people over there. You couldn't see the last people. Um, but we built this place because we felt like we wanted to disciple young people. We built this place because we wanted you to get the word of God. We built this place because we didn't want to just make disciples. We wanted to make disciple makers. That's what we want. That's what I still want today. I want you to be a disciple maker, not just a disciple. And, you know, um, I love you. I believe in you. I know that I, I know that when I was your age, what I thought I could do for God was so small because I'm a musician and that's all I thought I could do. I'm going to play guitar for you, God. That's what I'm going to do. That's as big as I thought in my head what God was going to do with my life. And he has done way more than I ever, ever dreamed. And that's just not related to me. God wants to do way more than you can even imagine in your life. I believe in you, but he believes in you more. But you've got to get in the word. You've got to know him. And you've got to want to make him known. You remember that last week when, uh, when Dom preached? That's an old song that we used to sing right here in the lighthouse. And it's kind of, it, I love the song, but it really doesn't make much sense. It says, <laughs> I'll tell you what it says. It says, all of life comes down to just one thing. And then it tells you two things. That's why I don't like it, that part of it. To know him and to make him known. <laughs> so it's kind of like uh, English wise, I just feel I don't like that part of it. But the other parts, that's, that's what our mission is. To know him first and then to make him known. And so uh, your purpose is before you. People that sat in those chairs are making a difference in the world. How about Jackie? Your youth pastor sat in these chairs and decided that I'm not just comfortable sitting in these chairs. I am going to do something greater for God. I mean, how many of you were here when Josh Bourgeois was here? Josh Bourgeois. He came, I remember, very, very well. Came to youth camp. He had been coming to youth and everything like that, but I remember the youth camp when he made a decision to truly follow Christ.
We came back from camp. His daddy pulls up in my driveway, looking to Josh. I said, he rode home with somebody. I don't remember who he got picked up, but he rode home with somebody. And so we're just talking, and, and I said, Josh is different. And from that camp on, he was different. He served God with everything that he had. If you would have heard, he, he won't mind me saying this. We're really, really close. If you'd have heard Josh preach the first time here at the Lighthouse, you would have not thought he was going to be a preacher. <laughs> In fact, Brooke Bourgeois said, the first time I heard him think, uh, speak, I thought, oh, my goodness, we are not doing ministry. <laughs> but he sought after God. With everything he had, he put time into learning how to preach. He, he took classes with Brother Renee, and he had to preach in front of Brother Renee. Like he's, Renee would give him a sermon, a, a, a topic, and he would have to put it together, and he'd have to go preach in front of Brother Renee and about two or three other people that were doing that with him. Like, that is bravery. Because <laughs> you don't have, a, like, a hundred people. Like, you're talking to three people, and one of them's your pastor. Like, that's tough stuff. Jesse Duplantis. Like, I'm amazed at all of the things that he spends as much time in, with young people as I do. I love it. Um, I, got, I got a list of people, and I could tell you, that spent time in these chairs. I said that. Nicole Dunn was sitting in these chairs. Brooke Bourgeois in college was sitting in these chairs because we did college ministry and, and youth ministry of service together back then. That's what we did. Brooke Bourgeois sat in that chair. Jamie, she was Jamie Lugabill, now she's Jamie Dishman, and Billy. Jamie was in my youth group, and then like, but she decided, she decided that she was doing something greater Billy was when he was in college or college age uh, around that time he came. Matt and Rachel Corns sat in those chairs. I don't even know. Y'all know Jacob and Amanda Noel? Jacob and Amanda Noel sat in those chairs. Jacob started youth when he was in seventh grade and went all the way through, except for the year that he moved to Singapore. And then came back, and so, but like he sat in those chairs, and then he decided he wanted to preach also, and then he decided he wanted to be a missionary, and then he and, and Amanda, same thing. His wife, Jolie Lafon, how many y'all know Jolie? Sat in those chairs that you were in. Kayla Bourgeois, you know Caleb? Sat in those chairs. What about Taylor Dupree? She sat in those chairs. And all of them decided to make a difference. Now, I didn't name everybody. I didn't name anybody that you don't, even, that you don't know. There are a lot of people that you have no clue what they do. And lots of them, well, another one started a church. Another one is a youth pastor. Another one is a worship pastor. And I'm not talking about you just being a pastor or in ministry. I'm talking about you making a difference for God. That's what I'm talking about. And they all decided that they were going to make a difference for God. They weren't going to sit back and just be comfortable because you could, you could get saved and you could know Jesus and you could sit back and not even care. Really, that's what you could do. But today, your question is, what are you going to do 
with the potential that you have and the purpose that God has given you to know him and to make him known. If you could put up that scripture for me, Kyle. So this is the last thing Jesus says. The very last thing that he says. So he's died. He's resurrected. He's come back and walk on the earth for 40 days. And then he, he sees the disciples. He talks to the disciples. He's there. He's fellowshipping. But the very last thing says, then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. That's Jesus' last thing that he tells us to go and make disciples. So what are you going to do with that? I take it seriously. Because a lot of things hang in the balance. First of all, he's telling me to do something. I need to do it. Second of all, people's lives are at stake. So we need to do it. All right, I'm going to, it's going to seem like I'm digressing right now, but just hold on. Okay. So there was a guy, some of you probably been taught by him. I'll talk to, I'll tell you who he is in a little bit, but he came back, um, he came to the school many, many years ago. Um, I'm guessing about 10, I don't, I don't know. I don't know how many years. I'd lose track of time. It's all a big blur to me. <laughs> but he came in, and he was looking for a job. And he sat across from me at the school. I, I used to be, I was the principal. I was the principal for three years, and then I became the assistant principal. And thank God I did, because that was so much better. <laughs> but um, uh, the, uh, so I was the principal at the time. And he walked in, and he said that he was looking for a job and doing something with computers. And so God is so good. Just let me tell you, because we were about three weeks away from school starting, and I still did not have a computer science teacher. And so how many of you know Mr. Joseph Moser? Any of y'all? All right. Joseph Moser is an awesome guy. He's I don't hang out with him a whole lot, but he is one of my best friends. Like, I know I could count on him for anything he, his, his attitude toward life is phenomenal. He is, he, when I met him, he came in and he asked me, you know, about the job. And I was like, God, you are so good. But he's legally deaf. Okay? Like, he literally had two uh, hearing aids, but he couldn't hear a lick. He, he might have been able to hear noise, but he could not tell what you were saying by you talking. He intently looked at your lips, and he was a phenomenal lip reader. So all you kids in class, you know, y'all could just turn your head and say what you want to say. Because <laughs> he wouldn't be able to know. <laughs> but, uh, 
but he was uh, such a good guy. But he had multiple disabilities. He uh, he had something called CMT, which is uh, I can't remember what it stands for. I said, "You got country music television," and he said, <laughs> um, "But it was a disease that made him walk weird. Like he 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 had like club feet kind of thing, and like he he struggled." Um, it was it was rough for him. It was rough. Then he he couldn't hear, and he also tremored like he his he would always shake like this, and um, so but that was because he had um, some kind of poisoning like lead poisoning when he was younger, and it ruins the nerves and it couldn't be healed again, and so um, so we're talking and uh, so I wind up hiring him um, and he taught two classes he taught keyboarding he taught computer science and it, I was when we only had like 15 computers at home of Christian so he only taught 15 kids at a time it was pretty awesome um, but one day he asked me if I believed in healing and I said of course I believe in healing and uh, and he says uh, I said why and he says well what do you think I said well I believe that God can completely heal you miraculously on the spot. I believe that God can heal you through doctors, but there's sometimes that God doesn't heal you. And I don't really know why. And I learned a long time ago to just not even question God. Like when it's something I don't understand, I'm not God.